three, two, one. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome, everyone, to episode 149 of the No Normal Show, brought to you by Revive. This is where we leave all things status quo, traditional, old school, and boring in the dust and celebrate the new, the powerful, the innovative, the future, all related to how brands can lead the way in health. I am your co-host, Chris Bevelo, Chief Brand Officer at Revive. I am joined, as always, by co-host Stephanie Werwell, who is SVP of Integrated Marketing at Revive. Hello again, Stephanie. Hello, hello. And also with us, as per usual, co-host, show producer, senior marketing manager, the one, the only Chase Kleckner. Hello, Chase. Hello, Chris. Good to be here. We have we have an exciting show because we are ready to move on and talk about the funnel wars. Maybe, maybe my favorite prediction. <laughs> Of the book, is it? Where does it sit with you guys? Of the five predictions, I would. It's my second favorite. I love the Copernican Consumer, which we touched on a few episodes ago. But I think the Funnel Wars, when we chat with our um, with our clients of all kinds, it's the one that gets everybody the most riled up and the most ready to do something. Yes, the Copernican Consumer makes me the most excited for the future. Obviously, I think the Funnel Wars is the one that has the most interesting dynamics in its current form today and has a huge impact as far as how consumers navigate healthcare over the coming years. So that's that's one that's very important to, to pay attention to. Yeah, so let's do it. We're going to, the way we've kind of covered the book is we've um, gone through each prediction and you know we hit it in the podcast for a period of time. We have blog posts about it. We tend to talk on LinkedIn, more focused. So we're just starting that phase with the funnel wars. And you may be asking, if you haven't read the book, I mean, who hasn't read the book? I suppose there's a few people. But if you haven't read the book, you may be asking, what do you mean by the funnel wars? Let me read you the definition from the book. I'm just going to read it straight out. All right. Today, we tend to consider hospitals and health systems as birds of the same feather in terms of business model. With variances based on size, scope of services, for-profit versus nonprofit, and other factors. Moving forward, we could see the splitting of the health system model with some systems moving even further to the larger, more comprehensive health organizations. Others retracting into solely acute care destinations, like we call the giant ICU on a hill, and others somewhere in the middle. These models may emerge based on core geographic and market differences, such as the presence of competitors, plan consolidation, regulation, and dozens of other market forces. Yet the primary area where this transformation would play out is with health, wellness, and the lower acuity care points, what we call the top of the funnel and why we call this the funnel wars. So first of all, just really quickly, before we dive into this, let's recap what we mean by the funnel. So when we talk about the funnel, we're talking about the health acuity funnel. So if you imagine you know, an upside down triangle or the shape of a funnel, uh, at the top, you have where people typically enter the healthcare system. So that's health wellness. These days, it's management of your health and wellness. It's primary care. It's urgent care. It's uh, virtual care, retail care, even um, emergent care, right? That's where typically people enter. And then if they need further care, they kind of go down the acuity funnel, right? You go down the acuity funnel, you're actually getting higher acuity care. So specialty care, medical care, surgical care, tertiary care, right? And so if you think about 
how that works. Most hospitals and health systems, which we're going to call legacy, the legacy systems in this conversation, uh, they care most about that middle funnel business because that's where most of the revenue and contribution margins come from, the surgical care and that kind of thing, right? Uh, which is why you see so much focus on promoting service lines and that type of thing. Uh, but what we know from research and what we've learned from Matt Gov, who first introduced us to the concept of the funnel and his research when he was at Piedmont is the way to fill that mid-funnel business, that surgical business, that medical business. It's not by trying to force people into it directly. It's by bringing them through the top of the funnel, lower acuity care points, because his research and others we've seen shows that the vast majority of people who end up in that inpatient higher acuity care had some lower acuity touch point with your system prior to that. That's why it's a funnel. You don't force people on the side of a funnel. You don't pour milk into the side of a funnel. You pour it in the top and it flows down. So this prediction is about the battle for patients at the top of the funnel, which given what I just said, may seem like, well, who cares about the top of the funnel? If we make all our money in the mid funnel, why do we care? It all comes down to the patient relationship and the ability for new entrants to basically cut off the top of your funnel and own the patient relationship, which will then really make it harder for you to pull them down through your funnel. So that's the funnel wars. That is the funnel. Anything you guys want to add before we get into this a little bit? Um, I'm going to share uh, one of my favorite quotes um, from Kevin Mabbitt, the chief consumer officer at Intermountain Healthcare. And he's one of many cited in the book that agree heavily that this prediction will absolutely um, come true. He uses the words, it's inevitable. This trend is inevitable. He says the value chain will be broken up. If you don't have a broader successful portfolio as a health system, it's dangerous. You have to own the relationship. And if you do, you can provide value across the whole journey, health and care. He then even goes on to talk about how at the top of the funnel, clinical excellence is is actually less important than convenience, which we'll we'll get into a lot a lot more of that um, as we go forward. But um, just just calling out, I love that description. That number one, you got to have a broad portfolio, um, not just the bottom of the funnel type of high acuity care. Number two, you have to own the relationship. So I think those are the key points of this prediction. Yeah, that's great. I I think in your book, Chris, you you pulled out specific numbers that Matt mentioned, which I just wanted to call out because I thought they were pretty astounding. It was it was that eighty three percent that uh, had an inpatient service line encounter. Eighty three percent of them had a lower acuity visit within the last uh, twelve months. So it was not just half or you know sixty percent. It was <laughs> it was above three four. So I think that is a massive. Uh, key metric there and and understanding how important the top of the funnel is. Yeah. I think what's, you know, we've been talking about this in some way or another for a number of years, right? The idea of the importance of the top of the funnel is not necessarily new. I think what emerged from our research in the book and what the prediction says is, of course, that may feel like it's going to have some kind of incremental effect on your business as a legacy hospital or health system. If, if CVS or Apple or Amazon or some of those pilfers, encounters at the top of the funnel where our expert took it and where we ended up going with the prediction was, Hey, this has the potential to actually change the model of some health systems where they would become what one of our um, interviewees said would be downstream vendors of care. So imagine a health system right now that has all of 
the different things, right? They have primary care, they have urgent care, they have, they have the whole funnel offering, but they lose at the top of the funnel and they basically become like a B2B brand. They're no longer even consumer facing because all of their business is bid funnel, which is all referral based. And they are utterly dependent on the other entities that own that patient relationship at a health management primary care level. That's the big news in the prediction. And, you know, what folks said was, again, like, like Stephanie said, um, there was a number of people said, this isn't a question of if it's going to happen. It's a question of where it's going to happen because it's market dependent and to what, to what degree. So that's the implication here. And, and there's money to be made in the mid funnel. There's money to be made by being a downstream vendor of care or a giant ICU in the hill, but it's less money. You will be a smaller entity and you will be utterly dependent on others for that patient relationship. And I don't think that's where any health system today wants to be. All right. So let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, we come at this in a number of ways. Uh, but the first is to kind of think about, you've been hearing us mention legacy hospital and health systems. So if you think of the funnel wars, it's it's a war between two sides, right? One side, you've got the legacy hospitals and health systems who have traditionally owned the funnel. The other side, you have what we call the new entrance, which isn't really a new, relatively speaking. Some of these entrants have been around for a decade or longer, right? Uh, but in terms of their focus on this and the, and the intensity of their focus, that's the other side of this. So let's think about the different parts of that army, if you will. Sorry for the military metaphor. May not be the best. We call it funnel wars. It's too late. We're going to have to stick with it. Um, let's start with the top five companies in America's Fortune 500. Top five. Two of them are healthcare 100%. You've got CVS Health and you've got United. The other three, Apple, Amazon, and Walmart, have all committed significantly in terms of money and their future on going into healthcare, right? Apple, Tim Cook, the CEO said, when all is said and done, the legacy for Apple will be its impact on health, which when you just step back and you think about what Apple's done and who they are, and that's what they think that their legacy is going to be, that's what we're up against here, right? We're up against the biggest companies, the biggest tech, the biggest retailers in the country, and in some cases, the world, right? So that's part of it. And we've heard, right? We've heard it's not just those. We can go down the line. We can talk about Walgreens, Dollar General, Best Buy. You know, what's the what's the um, fitness center that's like a cult? CrossFit. CrossFit and their new CrossFit primary, primary care. care. <laughs> Sorry, if you're my best friends in CrossFit. So I can say that. I tease That's him all the time. <laughs> Whenever I see him, it's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How's it going? He's like, oh, I just did 10 crunches at CrossFit. I'm like, oh, I forgot. You're in CrossFit. Anyway, anything you want to add to the to the, the big monsters that are part of this? Not the only, they're not the only ones. Two other categories. But before we move on to the other categories. Well, I just, mean, I, oh, go ahead, Chase. Go ahead. No, I was just going to elaborate. Like, I mean, nine out of the top 10 of the Fortune 500 companies are involved in healthcare in some way. And if you scale that back to the top 20, it's 16 out of the top 20, right? So it's it's everybody's got a hand in healthcare because there's such a large amount of healthcare spending that happens. Uh, so I think it's, if we're going to continue to see that trend, I wouldn't be surprised if every single company's got some approach to healthcare, a way to, to get involved like we've seen with Best Buy. <laughs> 
Yeah, we I like to play the, the game around around our agency here, which is, um, uh, you know, who's who's announced that they're new to healthcare this week, right? It's like every brand's a healthcare brand. Well, why? Why? Because as Chase, you pointed out, healthcare spending grew to 19.7% of total GDP up from 18%. It is, of course, over the last two years, the number one topic in the news. And so if you're a Fortune 500 company or any company and you need to grow and you're looking to innovate outside of your current industry, why not get into the industry with the biggest spending and the most top of mind and the most broken of all of them? Um, Every every company says we are here to transform and revolutionize healthcare. (laughs) So here's the funnel wars. We'll see who actually does. Yeah, we'll get into, we'll get into why, of course, there is some skepticism about this, but we'll We'll overcome that skepticism in the next breath, but we'll get there in a second. So we've got these giant companies that are coming in. We also have billions of dollars in startups, VC backed, PE backed, one medical, Oak Street, you name it. They're all coming in at the top of the funnel. A lot of them have different business models that legacy hospitals and health systems couldn't even adopt if they wanted to in terms of things like Medicare Advantage, going full risk, which, which gives them a foot up. Um, and then we already talked about United, but hey, the payers have have really moved into the provider space in a significant way. And it is almost every month we hear about one of the big health plans with new a new acquisition, right? United just had one. I think it was for a home health. They announced one a couple weeks ago for a home health organization. Optum. Right? We said United is, I don't know, number four or five largest company in the country. Optum is the largest health system in the country if you define health system by the number of employed physicians. The 55,000 plus employed physicians makes Optum, not Providence, not HCA, not CHS, not any other health system from a legacy side. They are the largest health system. And they continue to expand in what they're doing in terms of partnering, um, partnering, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, with with providers, they own surgical centers. I mean, they are in it, right? So this is what we're up against from a legacy. When I say we, we work primarily with legacy hospital and health systems. They're not only, right? We work with some folks on the other side of this. So we have a, an interesting vantage point. Um, but anything else you want to add on those those three kind of like, if it's a if it's a military metaphor, it's like three prongs of the front. Big companies all the startups in VC and PE, and then plans. Now, I mean, I, I think it, the this has already been said, but everything's been, every new entrant is just cherry picking from that top of the funnel that we mentioned earlier, right? I think even I looked at some research from the primary care, just primary care last year alone, it was $16 billion were invested in from a venture capitalist standpoint. So it just absurd money that is obviously trying to find some return so yeah yeah that's that's such a fascinating and and i think important discussion chase because when when we talk to hospitals and and review health systems financial um uh overviews of course the most margins are made down at the bottom of the funnel and so typically there's a little bit of discussion around why prioritize primary care there's no margins there but then you look at where everyone else all the new interests are focused why are they focused on primary care a few reasons one there's less clinical um uh you know operations needed you don't need all the specialties and subspecialties and all the real estate and the you know 
um, logistics that come with it, number one. Number two, it's a mass market. Every single human needs a PCP. And the, the data shows us that actually that's not the case. There's a massive opportunity to grow because m- many, the majority of Americans actually don't have one, especially when you, when you break it down um, based on race and income and those kinds of things. So it's it's a really wide open territory. I just think that's so interesting because if you just look at the margins, it leads to one decision. But if you look at the total opportunity, and then of course, what you know, the the funnel and the referral opportunity, it's huge. It's a completely different mindset. Yeah, and the, and these folks have the advantage. You know, there's different advantages to bring to the table. We're going to talk about maybe the biggest advantage at the end here with a quote from um, head of brand at CVS Health. But if you're Apple or Amazon, you just have like billions of dollars of cash just sitting in a closet and you're like how should we spend this like they can just throw money at this or if you're one medical if you're oak street it's all you do all you do is primary care and so you can focus and deliver the best primary care experience and make money at it which puts you at advantage over the legacy hospitals and health systems yeah and primary care can be retailized right it can be a very retail model it's um, just in the, in terms of like the digital experience, the web experience, there's so many ways to offer it. There's, you know, ways to think about pricing differently like Walmart has done. It's completely different than you need a hip surgery. That is really different, difficult to, to use a retail strategy. Um, so, you know, that's where the new entrants are really showing up sexy. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, again, I think we've said this in, in other ways, but let's break it down. If you're a legacy health system, you might been, again be thinking like, Look, let Walmart have the the COVID vaccines. Let Walgreens have the pharmacy, like whatever. Like, yeah, we want to be there, but if they have those, it's fine. What's happening is these organizations recognize the power of owning the patient relationship. And they're not going to do all the stuff to Stephanie's point. They're going to invest. Walmart's not going to invest in surgery likely. They don't need to. They make money off their retail business. Healthcare is an opportunity for them to further cement their retail re- relationship. If they own that, you've just been disintermediated. The guys cut that all out in one breath, right? And so now if Walmart or Amazon or Apple owns that patient relationship and I as a consumer see them as my partner in health, they're the ones that are going to be influencing where I go for care along with an insurance company. Or in some cases, it might be the same, all of one and the same, right? And so... So that's the threat to you. That's where you could end up as this kind of downstream vendor of care because you lose so much of that that you no longer own the patient relationship. That's why it's so important, um, even if it's a loss leader, even if it's not a profit center. Um, hopefully these days nobody thinks about primary care and urgent care that way. But boy, they used to. They used to. It's all swung back now. They realize like, we need this. We need the, the. We need the. Sometimes for value-based care, we need that relationship. Also, value-based care contracts. Um, so there's a lot to it. All right. So why why may this be blown out of proportion? Right. What's the argument from the other side saying? Well, come on. You're not going to see health systems like turn into B2B companies and only do you know inpatient acute care. Uh, and a lot of what people point to. In fact, we just had a meeting with senior health system CMOs. And one of them just made this point for us that's in the book, which is, come on, we keep hearing about these guys, Apple and Walmart, and they keep coming in and they keep falling on their face, right? Because healthcare is hard. 
and they think they can do it better and they can't do it better and they're not really a threat. And maybe the best example of this is Haven, right? You've got Berkshire Hathaway, you've got JP Morgan, you've got Amazon, like three massive, successful brands. And they come together and like, we're going to disrupt healthcare. We're going to blow it up. We're going to make it better. And then what happened in January, 2021? Folded, see ya, not going to do it. And most people were like, see, proof. If these three can't do it, nobody can do it. And it's like, actually, no. Actually, first of all, Amazon's MO when they're getting into new space is to partner with people till they know enough to go on their own, which is exactly what they did, right? Now they got virtual care. They're opening, opening Amazon health stores. You should be far more worried about Amazon let loose on its own than part of some cumbersome triumvirate that's trying to like disrupt an industry. So there is just too much money. Stephanie already said it. $4 trillion is the healthcare industry. Too much money sitting there in a, in a dinosaur industry that hasn't been disrupted since the 1900s, if that. Like, it's going to happen. Like, if you think it's not going to happen, these are just giants that are stubbing their toes as they learn. They're not going away. That's, that's our take on it. What do you guys, Stephanie Chase, what do you think? Is that fair or are we being too dramatic? Well, I will cite your work crush, Chris, Prof G, Scott Galloway. <laughs> um, and he's, he's quoted in the book um, saying, health organizations have continued to rise prices over inflation while NPS scores have actually declined and, and goes on to talk about the opportunity here, which you, you've been using the word disruptors. And I think as I look at this space, it is so ripe for what is true classic disruptive innovation, where a disruptive innovation is where someone sees the opportunity of, hey, we could come out with a lower quality, lower priced model for an unserved market. Okay, what do we have in healthcare? We have a lot of people that are not be, being served by it. We have focus on quality and clinical quality, rightfully so, and we have extremely high prices. So what happens? You have these players who identify, you know, in a space like primary care or others where maybe clinical quality is not as critical um, and where convenience is more important and low prices are more important. It's just so ripe to be disrupted. And, and the last point on this is when I think about dis disruptions and what, what something may come, come to be that's different than we have today, Google was not the first search engine. Facebook was not the first social media platform. So Haven failed, if you want to say that, and that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's progress. It's yeah. just, it's what happens, right? And, and I think let's get to these first. Let's get, you started talking about, um, a little bit about kind of innovation and let's talk about if you're a health system, what are some things you can do? So too quick, like if you fear this, which you should, right? You should at least plan for this, right? What are you going to do? So obviously it's investment in top of the funnel, got to invest in top of the funnel. And that means all the things we've mentioned, primary care, urgent care, retail care, virtual care, like, oh my gosh, please keep going with virtual care. Do not go backwards. Uh, all of that is super important to, to allowing you to, to, you know, initiate and then own the patient relationship and to drive that down funnel business that you want. Um, we've talked for years about trying to move to a value proposition that's not just about we're here when you're sick or injured. 
but we're also a partner in in helping you manage your health, right? And you see health systems today, some of them moving to that value proposition. And that is primarily about more at the top of the funnel. It's beyond even care encounters, it's health management, right? And then the last one, which we talk about in the book a lot, uh, Stephanie, you alluded to it, so I'll toss this one to you, is the challenge you have um, and how to avoid, you know, the infamous innovators dilemma from Clayton Christensen. Yes. If if Prof G is is your work crush and hero, then Clayton Christensen is is one of mine. Um, so as as cited in the book, um, focused on the Innovators Prescription released in 2009 by Clayton Christensen and the Innovators Dilemma, which is just a complete classic. Um, one of the guiding principles is that industries are eventually cut down by new entrants because the market leaders are so focused on what's working today. So it's all about okay, let's look at our finances again. What's driving the most profit margins? What's what's doing the best for us? Now let's let's make small incremental innovations in order to make that more profitable, to get more people in the door. Doesn't that sound like service line marketing? Hmm. Um, nothing wrong with service line marketing. Really important. But if you only focus on driving your high acuity business and, and don't and fail to look at what's happening in the larger um, industry and system, then what happens is you get blockbuster or you get Netflix or Blockbuster, however you want to say it. Um, because that's what Blockbuster did, right? Is let's just keep focusing on our retail strategy. We're growing by opening more locations. Ding, ding, ding. Doesn't that sound like health systems? Um, opening more physical locations and forgetting that uh, actually there's this new, completely new opportunity, which maybe at the beginning is not profitable, but will be eventually. So um, it's really hard to do this, though. I will, I will say it's really hard to do this when you're a health system and you have to have clinical excellence and you don't have a lot of capital. So, you know, there's, I think, a lot of opportunity to think about, is there an innovation arm? Is there something separate? How, how, how do you do that? Maybe, maybe that's another podcast we should, we should focus on is what are the hows and what are the ways of going about it? Instead of just preaching to everybody about doing something that's hard. <laughs> well, we, we can go full circle too, back to Matt Gov, who in the book talks about this, because Matt, of course, was his chief marketing officer, chief consumer officer at a huge health system moved to one of these, you know, he moved, he's a, he's a Benedict Arnold. He went from the legacy side to the other side. And now he's CMO at a um, huge, huge urgent care company um, based in New York and New Jersey, uh, along with, they also have specialty care as well as part of it. So they're, they're building like the, the top half of the funnel. Um, and he talks in the book and others do too. Like, it's amazing what you can do when you don't have hospitals chain to your leg, right? Because everything I, we had to do was about filling that hospital because that's where the capital was invested and that's where the profitability was. And you can't take your eye off that ball. And if you can't take your eye off that ball, how are you ever going to transform? And that's the innovator's dilemma right there. So the last thing we're going to, we're going to touch on is a quote, which I think just really captures why we think this is pretty precarious for legacy health systems. And it comes from Russ Meyer, who we had the privilege to um, interview, who's senior director of brand strategy at CBS Health, right? So he's got his own bias in this, but he comes from, you know, outside of healthcare and he has experience working with some of the largest brands in the world over his career. And when we talked about this and, and said, well, who do you think will win this? Um, <coughs> he said, Look, my experience is when people try to transform, uh, 
Um, his quote is, in the race to truly own the ultimate consumer relationship, those who have to gain knowledge will get there faster than those who have to change culture, right? So his experience is if you're trying to transform your company, it's easier to, to acquire in whatever way you can the knowledge needed for that than it is to change the culture required, right? It's going to go faster if, you're, if you can do the first or you have to do the second. You think about the two sides of the funnel wars. You've got the new entrance. You've got Cvis. You've got Apple. You've got Amazon. You've got these people that just, their culture is 1,000% centered on the consumer. Like that is what makes them amazing. And on the other side, you've got legacy hospitals and health systems who their advantage, their, their, you know, what they bring to the, to the battle is medical knowledge, you know, decades of medical knowledge, all the data, all the experts, they've got them. And Russ is saying, it's going to be easier to get all that than it is to change the culture. And if you've worked in a health system or worked with them, that's a ding, 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 because you know how hard it is for health systems to become consumer centric, how they still, after like the last thing we talked about, talking about consumerism for 20 years, what the heck, here we still are, right? And so that's where he would say, you know, Apple could, Apple could say, well, here's $10 billion. We really want to do this. Let's go buy a few health systems. Amazon could do that, right? And so they're going to be able to buy all the stuff legacy hospitals and health systems have. You can't buy a new culture. So it's a great way to leave it. Like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why we get excited about talking about this. Huge implications for the industry, for a lot of players in the industry, obviously, for consumers themselves. So we're going to come back to this and we're going to go deeper on it, but we want to at least get the, the convo started. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap? Oh, no. Exciting. Um, it is reminding me elsewhere, Chris, since since you are our author and you wrote you wrote the book on these topics. Um, wasn't there in another prediction this kind of vision of a world where we might see really interesting partnerships like, you know, the Microsoft meets Cleveland Clinic type <laughs> vision, which it, it was just reminding me of that because as you were talking, it's like, wouldn't the ideal world be let's blend this innovative culture with the focus on the consumer with the, the clinical side? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you think of people like Apple. And I remember the CMO in my head saying, like, you know, Widow Apple faces their first, you know, malpractice suit. And somebody else waited and said, um, they spend billions of dollars fighting trademark lawsuits every day of the week. A, a medical malpractice suit, they won't lose a second of sleep over that, right? And when you think about, like, well, who's going to go want to see an Apple doctor? I'm like, I, me? Apple's yeah, that's where I'm going. Thousand percent. Apple doctor. I mean, seriously, like that's not even a question. So, <laughs> so you know, the ability to maybe for some of these to blend, and, and the book talks about the nuance. Um, some of our experts, like Human Choi, who heads healthcare investment at Bain Capital, said there's probably three models. Right? There's the downstream vendor of care. There's the Geisinger or the Kaiser who might be able to survive at this higher level. And then there's probably a middle ground where people partner and we're already see partnering, right? Um, we see, we see systems partner with Walgreens for things or, or Walmart or that kind of thing. So, so it's not like it's inevitable where you land, but as we like to say with Joe public 23, the future is what you make it. So if you don't like that future, better make it something else. <laughs> All right. Let's, let, let's leave it there. 
we'll come back to this more. This is a really fun topic. So I can't wait to start batting this around on LinkedIn because <laughs> be we've good. had some good conversations on LinkedIn, but this one's, this is going to fire some people up. Stir the so, controversies. Bring, bring it. That's it, what this book gonna, is about. Drive the, spark the conversation. So let's, let's have it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. All right. So let's wrap it. Stephanie and Chase, thanks as always for joining. Of course. Thank you. Thanks to all of you listening out there. Thanks for joining us. If you want us to cover something, if you want to know more about the Funnel Wars, if you've got a question, if you want to know where to find an Apple doctor, shoot us an email at normal at reviveagency.com. We love to hear from our listeners. Make sure you share the show with your friends, your colleagues, anybody you could give us a review or a rating, including you on iTunes. We love all that. Uh, and remember, until next time, don't be satisfied with the normal, push the no normal. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining. Three, two, one.